Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Season 5 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me are my fellow Sequelizers, Tim Matum. How are you? Oh, would anyone care for a lovely game of rugby? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the man in the rugby top, yeah. Mr. Matthew Stogden. Merry Christmas! Because <laughs> you forgot this was a Christmas movie. <laughs> Uh, Christmas movie that we're talking about in January. Yeah. We're recording this in December. It literally is Christmas in a week. <laughs> yeah, we're very close to Christmas. And uh, Merry Christmas uh, to all of our listeners. Yeah. And all those rugby fans out there. <laughs> That's just me. Oh, it's okay. a Venn diagram of me. <gasps> Japanese action and rugby mm. equals Matt Stockton's <laughs> wet dream. Yeah, one of them. Sure. <laughs> if you haven't already guessed... We're here to fix Battle Royale 2. Requiem, Requiem slash Revenge. Because <laughs> Requiem is the normal cut and the Revenge is the long cut. And I well, wish well, I'd realised that. You say long cut, longer cut. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. The original it's, cut's it's, already pretty it's fucking an, long. It's an hour and 45 or two hours and 12 or something ridiculous. No, it's, it's, it's more than that. Is it it's more than that? It's 2.15 or 2.35. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I thought so it was the other way we around. We should run this down because up until recently you guys hadn't seen Battle Royale 2. Mm-hmm. We've we, we all seen Battle Royale 1, right? I, I hadn't yeah. seen Battle Royale for a long time. Yes. Yeah, I hadn't but seen yes. it for a long while. Yes. Yes. So, I... Well, I'll get to me last. Tim, hmm. you saw Battle Royale Requiem. I did. The normal the theatrical normal release. The which theatrical is only, release. only the 155-minute version yeah. or whatever the fuck. No, 135-minute yeah. mm-hmm. version. Jack, hello. You watch Battle Royale to Revenge. All 155 <laughs> minutes of it. Yes, I did. And I've. Seen, I don't know why. <laughs> I've seen both, which means it'll be interesting if you guys start <laughs> saying like, "Wait, that didn't happen." Um, although, interestingly, despite the fact there's extra 20 minutes of footage, um, nothing extra is added in terms almost, of story yeah. or action or plot or development or characters. They mostly change some of the visual effects. I had assumed the audio. they would explain the rugby. I was wrong. <laughs> Damn right, you were wrong. <laughs> rugby is unexplained. Rugby requires no explanation. Rugby has a lot of rules. It requires a lot of explanation. That's, that's <laughs> very true. Passing forwards. That's illegal. <laughs> what the fuck do you think if you're doing? If the ball hits the floor, we have to do a lot of different things. <laughs> Depending on who's closest to it. Yes. And who falls Wait. over first Rock in the fetal ball. position. Wait, it's a Tuesday? Oh my God, get me, <laughs> let me get the book. <laughs> Flick the page I noticed it before. Oh God. So, uh, yeah, Battle Royale 2. Battle Royale, I think we can all agree, is a bit of a classic. Battle Royale uh, is an interesting one because it was released in America later than it was Britain, which is one of the rare mm. examples of us getting things before America. And Just like Star Wars. Like, significantly oh. later. Yeah, but yes, yeah, like it was years, a, yeah, years. Yeah. Not like a day later that no, we no, have no. now. It, it was it was a long-ass time. Uh, I think we got it almost the same year of release Japan, maybe a little bit after. Really? Okay. Yeah, it was quite mm. close. And I remember watching it as like a 16-year-old and thinking, this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my fucking life. It, yeah, it's Matt Stockton Wet Dream. Yeah. Um, I, but I was going through a um, Japanissance, shall we say, at the time. I was like 15... Oh, you mean your life. That's true. <laughs> it's, yeah, that chapter, i.e. the one that didn't end. Um, <laughs> oh, this 35 long chapter. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I discovered, um, let's see, when I was 14... Hentai. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I wrong. Mean, the silence. No, yeah, because I, I saw volumes. I saw, I saw Akira, <laughs> Ghost in the Shell, 
and Evangelion Gundam and Urotsuki Doji, which is kind of hentai <laughs> in the mean, same yeah, year. Pretty much. And then a couple of years later, like Battle Royale, for example. And it was like, this is fucking great. I didn't because I've only seen the cartoon version of Japanese. I haven't watched a lot of Japanese films. Right. Yeah, and then yeah. get into more older films, uh, et cetera, I, et cetera. I'm along similar sort of lines. I'd seen anime growing up. I was a huge Dragon Ball Z fan True. and all that kind of stuff. And um grew up i think i i watched ghost in the shell when i was entirely too young which yeah. has been a theme for me if you remember my predator <laughs> yes. 2 experience and my aliens experience where i was like six or whatever i was when i saw predator 2 because yeah. i accidentally like stayed up or something and and i remember seeing battle royale when i was pretty young and i think it was the first live action japanese film i ever saw yeah and and i mentioned Previously, that you know, me and my parents have kind of bonded over Japanese cinema in a lot of ways. Yes, my dad's a huge Western fan. That, that kind of transitioned into Seven Samurai. Samurai. I mentioned that in the uh, end of the decade kind of summary we you mentioned did. before. Yeah. You mentioned Thirteen Assassins, Matt. That's right. Um, and Battle Royale was kind of a thing, kind of a again, kind of a coming online for me. I'm like, oh yeah, there is stuff outside of Britain and America that is made that is really good. Yeah, and interesting and different and something i've not really seen before mm-hmm. and then the hunger games came along and then they ruined <laughs> battle royale and hell of it. i think battle royale still professors but i mean it's, it was it's a, i think for a certain generation of british people especially i think it's like the first japanese film they probably mm. saw along mm. and then the, the, the ring was around the same sort of time oh mm. yeah and uh, then maybe if you were really grudge like, something like that yeah that later tetsuo yeah. and <laughs> other yeah. stuff yeah um but yeah so it became this sort of uh, semi awakening as well, but very small sort of thing. And then uh, I think because on the same time, uh, Cartoon Network had Toonami and things, and they would show Japanese live action films, and it, it became this thing basically. Mm. Um, but because we got it before America, and because reviews were out saying it's really, really good and clever, and because it was doing an early wave of digital spatter effect of blood and things, it was amazing. And because also being 16, 17, or whatever it was at the time, and this was about kids being pushed around by adults, it's like, it was a very relatable subject. And it was just a really well-made film. Mm. Even though when you actually list the events of the film, remarkably straightforward. Mm. It's got very little to it. Um, the book itself, the original novel, is ever so slightly different. Film, again, ever so slightly different. Um, but they're all good in their own right. Um, and then a couple of years later, Battle Royale 2 comes out. And in my younger, more impressionable years, I thought, this is good. It has rugby now. <laughs> Uh, I, I like, like rugby. I like rugby. I was playing rugby at the time, and it was all good except for the fact that I thought it's a bit, it's a bit, uh, a bit convoluted. It's a bit, it's a bit it? slower. There's a lot more action in a way, but also it's not as good, and it's kind of dull. And <sighs> I don't think I like this. the The key thing that I really, really noticed, especially in the first sort of like forty five minutes or so, is that the tension in Battle Royale is so centered on the who's gonna die next thing yes, you literally get yes. the counter and the like the number that comes up and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff in battle royale 2 a million people die in like 10 seconds <laughs> it is ridiculous there's no connection for some reason they have a fucking d-day remake like a be- <laughs> a, a, be- a beach storming scene yeah that is actually really quite well shot and interesting and yeah. like is a cool idea to send the kids off to fight in a island like you know like a Iwo Jima kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, and then, then it's just like, oh, boy, five hundred and twenty-six, girl, three hundred and twenty-four, mm. boy, five hundred and forty-six, boy, fifteen, <laughs> boy, eighteen, girl, fifteen, girl, eighty-nine, girl, yeah. sixty-four. 
who are these people? See, what's baffling? We don't care about these people because they're all dead. Yeah. You haven't given us a chance to care about these characters yet, which is what Battle Royale does so well. The first it one does. is makes you care about those characters and then, oh shit, they start dying. And in to its credit, I mentioned Hunger Games earlier, towards the end it kind of has that similar thing of well, of like, oh, you learn the backstory of these characters or yes. why they're in this position or whatever and then you start killing them off and that makes the tension of like, maybe the who we think is the protagonist is not the protagonist. Maybe the that guy's going to survive mm, or that mm. girl's going to survive or whatever. Battle Royale 2 doesn't really have that because mm. it very quickly isn't a Battle Royale film, which is another weird thing, yeah. which works in certain ways. I think the, the, the direction they go in can be interesting. And I think that's something you will address later on, Mr. Stokes. Yes, most definitely. But for me, that that's the, the biggest kind of reason you mentioned how dull it is like it's mm. slow and plodding and then they kill off like half of the cast in the first 20 minutes for some yeah. reason and then don't really do much with it for the next hour and yeah. then the last half an hour is like and there's loads more fighting again and mm. the military show up and you're like okay it, what it, about that middle segment the best way i could describe it is it rushes to get nowhere um mm. the, absolutely yeah. that's a perfect way of summarizing my it's last five minutes so, I mean, of rambling <laughs> sorry it's, it's like half an hour of establishing characters kind of tries to do that and then the only ones that seem slightly interesting they kill off in the first two minutes of that section and then the idea of pairing them is really solid except all it does is wipe them out faster mm. and then the, it doesn't really bring much to the story or characterization you get a few oh my god now you know jack will know this from the uh revenge edition you get a lot more flashbacks yeah um <laughs> A lot more slow motion as well. There's only a little bit of slow motion in, in the original cut. There's like a lot of the, we'll go with slow motion for this one bit of a scene for some reason. The death acting in this film oh, is fucking terrible. It's pretty. <laughs> There's so many like extravagant platoon style like wiggling your arms about as much <laughs> as you can. Everyone is fucking Willem Dafoe from Platoon. Yes, and their necks are exploding all over the place, and it's just the worst bad acting example I can think of in in recent memory of these. Because at least, like, we talked about Dark Knight Rises, we talk about Despicable Me 3. Mm. Neither of those, we were like, that's really bad acting and you can really notice it. Like, the <laughs> shots are really badly put together. Because, like, the voice acting in Despicable Me films is pretty good. It's functional, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it works really well. And, like, as, as weird as Tom Hardy is, it's an interesting performance. There's no, like, weird standout bits. You're like, well, why are they shot Your it like that? Your problem is more like the, a... the way it was recorded rather than the actual yeah, delivery. Exactly, in a way. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but the delivery of some of this, like, I think it's because a lot of them, I weird. think, were from television. More than else. By inexperienced actors and stuff. Yeah, I think, right, well, right. to a degree. I, think, I know that um, someone were like Carmen Rider and stuff like that, and uh, it makes sense. They uh, they do feel like TV. And so, mm. also, more accurately, very Japanese, Japanese TV. TV and, yeah. Yes, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I found this one. Uh, this one interesting. Um, did, did you not fall asleep during it? I believe that, <laughs> did, was, that was part of your have, review. I may have fallen asleep. <laughs> did you feel it. twenty minutes fresher than Jack? Though <laughs> I did. I did feel. Oh. Um, yeah. I, I, like I quite liked the concept. The kind of. I, I mean, it's a better Suicide Squad film than Suicide Squad. <laughs> I agree. Um, That's a low fucking bar, but sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, it actually answered one of the problems that I have with the original Battle Royale um, which is... Not enough rugby. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not enough rugby. Where's all the rugby Um, was my question. uh, No, which is that in the original Battle Royale, and correct me if I'm wrong because it's been a while since I saw saw this, the the class of students is picked at random. Um, Seemingly so, yes. Yes. Because to me 
that doesn't like that kind of doesn't make any sense because if you're trying to get your teenagers citizens to behave better surely you incentivize them by saying the worst class is going to be the one that gets sent to an island to yeah. kill people so the idea of these kill, kids specifically is like of yeah. course they'd go that's yeah. what you get yeah, yeah. so yeah. in this film you, they do specifically Obey say or like become battle royale yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they they do specifically pick out like oh it's a class where it's 30% punks and 30% Rugby featuring idiots. that kid from Hook for some reason, yeah. <laughs> and also the, the really um, awesome rugby player. There's still uh, uh, like a really Weasley um, nerd kid. Yes, somehow yeah. in he's the bad in that boys. one. Yeah. Somehow he's in that yeah. school for. But yeah. yeah, we should probably address this because I mean, with this, this season thus far, The Dark Knight. Almost, I would say, ninety nine percent of our listeners are going to know exactly Dark Knight I would and Dark Rises. A higher percentage than that, but sure. One hundred and seventeen percent of our <laughs> Thank listeners. Thank you. Um, Despicable Me, people are aware of culturally and thematically. Yes, absolutely. Now, this is a niche one to a degree. It's a, mm-hmm. Battle Royale is a cult hit. It's so definitely I think, a cult and, yeah. and people yeah. understand the concept. Yeah. Thanks to Fortnite. Yeah, exactly. Or you Hunger Games. You can't tell, but I'm dabbing right or, now. Or, or, or PUBG. <laughs> we can or, do it. Yeah. <laughs> So in case, on the off chance, you are thinking, what the fuck are these guys talking about? Battle Royale is a Japanese film, initially, um, uh, based on a book, I think, and it was about a fascist, fascistic, I should say, yeah. um, government run by Japan, and all the kids are misbehaving and being awful and unruly, so they throw them in this contest where you have to have a survival program, and it just, as you guys mentioned earlier, uh, get a single class, they're kidnapped, chucked on an island, and they said, right, you have these explosive collars around your neck. You have X amount of days, I think it's three days or something, yep. to kill each other till one survives. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, there's also two transfer students who are actually previous winners, as it mm. were. And they're also, you know, basically PTSD-riddled killers. Mm. Um, and and you all get a weird weapon. You, like, yeah, you get a backpack. Here's a, and... here's a pot and a pan. Good <laughs> yeah. luck. Or a crossbow. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. Uzi or a pot. And yeah. you're like, that's... Or a fa- yeah, or a fan or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, so it's a great story. It's a really simple premise. Uh, it's very well executed. It's very um, what's it's in the early two thousands. It was very ahead of its time as well in terms of filmmaking mm. stuff. It felt very not very like a standard Japanese film or uh, saying Western cinema too much. Anyway, big success, huge cult hit. America got it eventually because of the violence aspect and did very well. Mm. Three years later, Battle Royale two comes out. Now. It's the same story to a degree, but there are some significant shifts. Mm. One being they're picking up exactly where they left off, and Nana Hanashia, the main kid who survived, effectively, from the first Battle Royale, is starting a terrorist group. And again, this is 2003, uh, and like War on Terror <laughs> The era. film yeah. opens with towers being bombed and falling to the ground. Mm. I was yep. like, literally, with their, I don't know what the song's called, that really dramatic song. Uh, it's the Mozart, isn't it? Dias, yeah, it's the um, Mozart thing. From thing, thing the yeah, mass. yeah, yeah. Incredibly dramatic, and I'm like, that's a weird opening shot. Then the bombs go off. I'm like, fuck me, they're doing 9/11. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. They are, there's no it's, there's no fucking yeah. pussyfooting around this shit. It's, it's quite intense. There's two mm. towers. The uh, literally the first thing you see is two towers fall to the ground, mm-hmm. like pancaking in World Trade Center style. I'm like, wow. Okay. Yeah. This it's, is a, it's bold as fuck. And to its credit, it is bold as fuck. Because the message here is America's not great. <laughs> See, this is the interesting and one. And it kind of works in that way. Hmm. I kind of I'm not necessarily agree with Shuya, the main character. Well, not the main character. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the, the survivor from the first one. Yes. And the, the lead terrorist, I guess. 
Um, yeah, he leads uh, Wild Seven. Yes, great name, Wild, Wild Seven. That screwed me over because uh, there was a game uh, that I ha- had on the PlayStation called Wild Nine, and so <laughs> it, which was about a weird. Uh, I guess kind of group of freedom fighters, but yeah. they were in space, and it was uh, made by the same people who made Earthworm Jim. So it was like wacky and fun, mm-hmm. um, although it did also involve a lot of torture. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like all fun things do. Yeah, uh, very different to this film. <laughs> oh, this is in no way important, but it's very important. It was Verdi, not uh, Mozart. Ah, there we go. Sure, uh, but that, want... that song is epic. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very appropriate. Lots... Sets the fucking tone mm. pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but the second film then does a really clever thing, which we all sort of like, mm. sort of where it was starting, yeah. and then gets really fucking dull. Mm. So it sets the kids off to, as in this new truanting, disp- misbehaving school of kids, yeah. off to find these uh, terrorists on an island. Not to find them, to assassinate Sorry, them. Sorry, they, they're them. specifically there to assassinate Shuya Namamura, yeah. and you have 72 hours, otherwise you will die. Yeah. And they, 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 don't, they don't get given pots and pans. They get given assault rifles and bulletproof vests. It is a full children military well, thing, the thing, which is obviously a commentary on that as well. Yeah. But And it's motivating through all kinds of things. And it's great, and it starts off on a positive, except it's like half an hour before I actually get announced what the hell's mm-hmm. going on. There's a lot of shouting in a gym with a white line down the middle for yes. like 15 minutes. Which is not as good as uh, Kitano. No. Takeshi, Takeshi doing uh, uh, his whole thing like, clapping along to the TV and then all being in this classroom. It's, it's a very different... Yeah. It's the same scene, basically. Mm. Shot yeah. differently and doesn't really work as well at all. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but we'll come back to that. We certainly will. But it's interesting because they still keep the aspect of it being televised mm. or, or at least pr- you know promoted. And there, there's the aspect where the, um, the bus arrives at the complex and the same TV... Uh, anchor as it were from the first film mm. says oh by the way all the uh, suits are, and watches and stuff are provided by the sponsors and you're like mm. oh okay that, that, yeah. it, it works in that way satire yeah mm. and then they say oh by the way we're going to give you the guns but not the bullets you get those when you arrive on the island because you don't want them shooting us and it's like mm. yeah that makes sense that, it's dumb but it makes sense because mm. you want them to live long enough then when they arrive th- some of the crates come down and they go oh no I've got a dud and it's like just full of like toilet paper yeah and it's like <laughs> wait why are you? Are do you, you want pulling this to be a pranks success? on them? Yeah. yeah. Do you want them to win? But then also the idea is there's this one island, and it's like, why don't you just bomb the island? Which and be they done do. With. Well, later they, on. Yeah. The Americans just get the Americans. Yes. Fuck it. We're, We're done now. Nuke yeah. the fucking thing, basically. It is interesting because there is a lot of sort of Japanese internal politics going on here because and external politics against the Americans. Well, yeah, because the the idea about just general the idea of the state of society in Japan and it's very different from a Western society because the idea of a community aspect. Everyone, if you're not serving the whole, you're not serving as it is, and it's, mm. it's all part of of a Eastern culture. You need to contribute to society in a in a, in a functional way. Yeah. Functional way, exactly. exactly yeah. Whereas. In this movie, it addresses the fact that Japan, because of the history of the war, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, with World War II, Japan isn't allowed an army. Mm. As in, they're not allowed, like a slapped child, but obviously yeah. because of war crimes. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not allowed <laughs> A slapped child who committed lots of war, war crimes. crimes. Um, but they're not allowed an army, so they have a defense force. Um, and they go to, like, they went to uh, Mogadishu and stuff like that, and they were allowed just to mostly watch, it seems. And But they couldn't, like, couldn't, like carry guns, for example. It's a very strange situation. Mm. Um, but at the same time, 
it has built up this sort of resentment of America at times. Mm. Not all the time. Obviously, there's still a lot of, you know, good relations and such. Mm. But this film didn't portray any of that. And this was, again, in 2003 mm. when the war on terror was happening. Mm. And it was all... And everyone was pro-America. Yeah, it was... Because if you weren't, you're a monster and we, a terrorist. We were right, all guys? eating freedom fries. Yes. It was, all, it was a very different time. Mm. But yeah, so th- this film starts fine and then gets real fucking dull. And spends about another hour and 20 minutes, maybe a little longer... With just, everyone just, just being on the island. Sitting around. Mm. Sitting around, cowering in sheds. Not like Lord of the Fly style um, either. No, where it's no, like no. actual politics. It's just them just sitting around. Just a lot of looking, lot looking miserable and looking like they are, they've wandered in from the set of uh, the uh, old Australian kids program, The Tribe. Oh, wow. That's a reference. <laughs> and yeah, I completely see what you're saying. Um, I was going to say around the twist. <laughs> Never don't. Um, yeah, so effectively speaking, it has all the po- uh, the potential as a story and a film, but there are, I think, two fundamental major problems with this. The first is that it doesn't know what to do with itself. The story, unfortunately... Like you said, it builds to nothing. Exactly. It, it collapses so quickly under its own weight. It it has a lot of premise. It has a lot of a, a strong idea. Um, there's even hints at the start with the fact that the teacher... Um, has his own necklace, his own collar. Mm. And it's like, that's, that's interesting. Weird. Yeah, And obviously they play up later and it goes all fine. Yeah. I just want to uh, jump in there because mm. uh, the teacher, um, who's played by an actor called uh, Ricky Takeuchi, yes. is playing himself. Yes. A version of himself. Pretty much, yeah. It's very surreal. It's just sort so of like weird. a weird Japanese Elvis? Mm-hmm. Ish? Was it? Like, who, he's who? a weird greaser kind of. Was it Tim who came up with the best analogy? I think it, it was. It was uh, well. My analogy was if it, it's like if in the Hunger Games, instead of Katniss's advisor being Elizabeth Banks playing Effie Trinket, it was Eric Roberts playing Eric Roberts. Yeah, because <laughs> that's such a great comparison. It's like, yeah, that's so weird. Yeah. Because because yeah. The, the, I, I had a quick look at his kind of career, and he's basically he's best known for direct to DVD like gangster films. He is, yeah, because of stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and and was also weirdly involved in wrestling somehow. Japan. Yep. <laughs> Everyone's involved in wrestling in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly um, the Yakuza. The second major problem, other than they don't know what to do with themselves and therefore the film just runs out of steam mm. so quickly, uh, is the fact that this was kind of a doomed production from the start because of the nature of the director. Director of Battle Royale, the first original Battle Royale, uh, Kinji Fukasuke, is someone who was a very accomplished and capable act, uh, director and then died unfortunately yeah and he filmed i think one scene for this film i don't think it was even fully written at that point but his son kenta fukatsuka um took over and he wasn't as experienced a director and it unfortunately very much shows functionally the the film is is fine but some of the choices are a little bit vanilla basically um and subsequently we end up with a, a, a meandering film and we were watching um together just for recording um footage from an advanced screening in japan not the premiere itself i don't think um where they were just interviewing different cast members on the stage and he comes on the stage and very bluntly just says yep there was a lot of concern about this film but uh we got it done and i brought my father's ashes with me (laughs) and in a gym bag it was so very so weird so surreal but it's obviously clearly a very traumatic time and it's like as much as i hate to say this he was the very worst choice for this film 
because if you're just literally getting over your father's death and taking over the legacy of let's face it one of his last and best films mm. fucking stay away from it and it's not like this is a film where you can put up a touching thing at the end being like dedicated to my father yeah, like yeah. like this isn't not a good film to work out your grief on. No, not really. Not in any way, shape, or form. And his son wrote both films, I, th- I believe. Kenta, I so. Kenta yes, wrote, both. wrote both. Yeah. And which is so strange. Yeah, because he, I think he got co-writers in for the second one, mm. or like at least some some help, some yeah. script treatment, or whatever it was. And I think that hurts it in a lot of ways because yeah. it feels like four or five different ideas all smushed together and kind mm. of like you said, that doesn't really go anywhere. But equally, and, it's not based on any original material. That, it, yeah, that yeah. also hurts it as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so much of it feels like it's just kind of treading water, yes. waiting for the film. Sometimes literally on the beaches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's sort of, it feels like a, a, the, the actors are all standing around waiting for the director to come in and go like, no, 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 I've had an idea now. We're, we're going to go we to this said, scene. Yeah. It's yeah. time to act. Like, oh, okay. It's a weird thing. Like I said, the, the first... There's some great action ideas in here, and there are some really cool moments that kind of set up certain character development options that yeah. they just don't really explore. And like you said, Matt, the the pairing up thing could be really interesting. Yes, they explore it like once, and that's about it. And mm. they have most of them that are just kind of like cowering and oh you're in the, you're in the dead zone if you don't move your your mate's going to die mm-hmm. and they're like oh well it's it is very they're so paralyzed by fear that yeah. their friends die it's like you feel like that would be motivation yeah and maybe you escape a couple of times and then there's that one moment where you can't escape and then your friend dies and then you deal with the consequences mm. of that and what, that's what you're describing is battle royale 1 <laughs> correct exactly where there's yeah. character development and interpersonal relationships and mm. drama instead of just melodrama for the sake of melodrama mm. and a weird emo shuya who's just sat there in his oh. fucking toga waste of a character He's, and they they completely fucking sideline noriko as well i was so angry mm. she just turns up in afghanistan again you're like the fuck i was <laughs> waiting for and they mentioned noriko like oh my god have you what was she like and all this kind of stuff they really hype her up as this yeah. like amazing like freedom fighter type thing and like she was incredible she was great she's not in this movie i mean like, why she's, she's got pretty high billing like she's mentioned in the in the <laughs> cast list and in the posters and stuff mm. Oh, she's in the last eight fucking seconds. Yep. <laughs> in a hijab <laughs> in Afghanistan. Yeah. What the fuck? It's a it's a weird move. I get. I don't get. So why they're Al Qaeda now, I guess. Well, this is kind of the thing because it makes that connection with the idea of like child soldier sort of stuff. Uh, uh, yeah. So th- the message that they try and say because they send a very like pro-refugee kind of message and you see all these poor yeah. starving kids and you know some people out in the middle east are the native people and they're fighting for their rights and the western people have come over and bombed the fuck out of their cities sure. i'm getting fairly political now but mm. this film made me do it <laughs> and you know i feel like west the us not us personally <clears> but <throat> the west in general is known for sticking its nose in where it doesn't belong Colonialism. Colonialism. <laughs> Vietnam is a perfect <laughs> idea of that. <laughs> and the war on terror and the second Gulf War and all this yeah. shit is like, why are we here? Oh, because Tony Blair committed some lies and war crimes. Mm. That's why. Yeah. And they try to address that. And then they're like, 
and therefore the Taliban is fine. And you're like, wait, what? It's very... Has nobody noticed the Japanese women Mm. in Al-Qaeda? Yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? So yeah, nothing's ever named. It's all just sort of like, oh yeah, there are these there's armored vehicles and it's obviously like jeeps in the middle of the desert. And it does say very clearly Afghanistan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it. oh, I should point out that in the Requiem cut, it's a very short scene. In the Revenge cut, it's longer. It's eight minutes? Yeah. Must the, be. It must be original, nearly 10 minutes. Right. I think it's maybe like two. It's yeah. a full conversation. Over the credits. And there is a, panning shot of starving children that last for about 90 seconds. See, there's an interest... It, it does make sense for it to be there in a way, sort of, because of the idea of the general overarching theme of adults have been fucking over kids forever. And, and they, the West has been fucking over the East forever. Mm, correct. And that's, that's... Those things mesh quite well. They do. And could be fantastic, like, thematic concepts yep. for a film to structure its fucking plot around. Yep. But it does not work But here. it does not do that... It just talks about rugby for 45 <laughs> fucking minutes. That's also true. <laughs> Ricky uh, Takaguchi saying, uh, I just want to play rugby with you guys. And it's like, no, 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 no. He doesn't say that. He says, I've always wanted to play rugby with you. Tackle you 16, to the ground. 16 year old. <laughs> Wait, what? Well, it's all, and, it, and it's also, he's playing himself. So it's like Eric Roberts showing up <laughs> at like a Swindon high school and saying, I've heard you guys are real good at field hockey. <laughs> I've always I've wanted, always to, play wanted to play field hockey with you. Me, Eric Roberts. Hi, <laughs> Eric Roberts. And then he goes for a try in the last second, running towards an explosion. It's so oh, weird. Oh, it, it, it gets so close to doing some clever things. And, it really does. And having a, a, a theme that pulls through the rest of the concept and pulls through the characters. And... Maybe having Shuya as this like PTSD ridden freedom fighter that the only thing that drives him is the fight against the people that have done this to them. Yeah. Kind of works. Mm-hmm. I can totally believe that. Mm. It's a great start. I mean, I hate to reference it again. It's fucking Hunger Games. Yeah. yeah. The people from the fighty bit turn against the rich people that did all the things, the bad things that made them in the fighty thing in the first place. Yep. And they take their weapons and the knowledge from the fighty bit. And fight the rich cunts who need killing. Yeah. Makes sense. Could could kind of work. Could work. Nope. Didn't. <laughs> couldn't do much with it. Nope. Sure, yeah. He doesn't just, he sits, do anything he sits in room for the, the entire candles. fucking movie. He sits in a room of candles like it's a Backstreet Boys video. And it's like a somber song. He's, he's got a I great, like, great wardrobe. But. I did like that moment. Like the first introduction to him where he's got like the blanket over him and then there's just blankets uh, and candles everywhere. Yeah. I was like. It's a pretty good shot. It's pretty, it's pretty styling. I she mean, it weird. does it does look like he's in a meatloaf video. Yeah. <laughs> What's weird is in the Requiem version, that's one or two shots. In the Revenge version, it's four or five different shots. Oh yeah. <laughs> there is no reason it adds nothing except to the runtime. Speaking of that shot in particular, and there's another one. I'm trying to think what it is. I think it's one of the many uh, neck collar explosions. Sure. Super, super zoom close-ups to people's faces oh, to yeah. the point that the camera yeah. goes out of focus. <laughs> That's great movie making, right, guys? Yeah. Because we want to zoom in on Shuya from across the room. Because <laughs> that's how cameras work in 2003. Yeah. When you don't have things like a manual zoom adjuster, apparently, <laughs> or digital zoom, or whatever the fuck. They just like, nah. We'll just keep. Just, we'll we'll just keep. Push, the, we'll push. keep. We'll keep the focus at like. Three feet in front of us. <laughs> He's fifteen feet across this weird, like underground tunnel. Yeah. 
but we'll just keep on zooming. It, it's a very... There are a lot of really odd moves, but then also with the collars, they do have the problem as well of... Um, right from the start when they talk about the collars, they establish a very, very long runtime for beep, beep, beep. He's like, how long is this? And you realise... It goes on yeah. and on. And even when it's going... Yeah. That goes off like, as well. Wait a minute. It's still going? Yeah. And there are a couple of moments where I'm like, okay, dead. He's dead. Hit. No. No. Boom. There it is. <laughs> there we go. Finally. <laughs> it's a full on like 15 second yeah. long beep at the and end. And then you realize it's because they can do speeches. <laughs> and so everyone who does, well, everyone we need who monologues. Yeah, you get some monologues. And also on top of that, sometimes you're like, oh. This person's running away from a from the collar exploding. Oh no, I don't want to die! And they're running away, and it's like, should we just have a bullet tag him so we don't have to worry about the whole fifteen second thing? Yeah, probably. <laughs> or run over a mine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, it's incredibly inconsistent as well. That's yeah, a, like, a huge some, problem. With sometimes it, yeah. people die pretty me, me, quickly. Me, me, bang. Yeah, yep. and then half an hour later, meep. Just to just to leap back to the kind of technical issues with the film. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of people here, you know, if you're listening to this in January, you may have uh, gone back to your parents' house for Christmas and you've probably had to switch off motion smoothing on their television because they don't, <laughs> they don't know what's going on. Um, I really so, wondered where you were going with that sentence. I was like, aha, yep. that's where you're going with so that sentence. So if, if you're familiar with, with kind of switching on a movie and just being like, what the fuck is wrong with everyone's faces and movements here? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> it's great. I'll turn that off. Oh, wait, you can't. <laughs> it's great when a film shot on film, um, or possibly shot on digitally, but shot at you know 24 or 25 frames per second, yes, yeah. suddenly switches over to B-roll documentary footage that it's stolen from news shows where it's filmed <laughs> on video and is running at 60 frames per second. Ugh. And you just go, oh, this is stolen from the news at this 10. hurts my eyes. <laughs> yeah. It, it Great! Is... I really wanted to be dragged, kicking and screaming out of this film. <laughs> just like be like, here we are. Oh look, real people in pain. Yeah, <laughs> I was enjoying the hyper violence, and, and now I'm sad. <laughs> Did we make you think? I mean, yeah, but not the way you think yeah, you wanted yeah. me to. It, it is a very odd film, and also a very unfortunate film because it had so much potential, as we said, and kind of pissed it all up the wall. In a way. Like the Hunger Games. Ah. <laughs> um, which, again, the best bit is, let's face it, the opening sort of act. Absolutely, it is, yeah. The difference is those were based... Actually, no, they're based on books as well. So, yeah. Battle Royale as a book is a singular standalone thing. And mm. much like... I'm not saying you could never do a sequel to this, because uh, I think we do a pretty good job. I mean, you're about to, Matt. We're mm. going to try. Just to, just to tease the listeners. <laughs> yeah. In case you haven't clued in on the, the format yet. The, the oh, nature yeah. of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we moan, and then we try and set things right. Uh, it's our thing. That's my sex life. And I think it's also something that you can't really do again because especially the, the reach and extent of the Hunger Games. Because when Hunger Games came out and I know it's based on obviously novels and things, I just, as as many people did, oh, Battle Royale. Oh, it's Battle Royale. Yeah. yeah. I did the same and, thing. But but shit. And then watch and think, oh, it's actually quite good. I argued with my girlfriend at the time. Yeah. I'm like, it's you know, it's basically Battle Royale, right? What's that? Like, It's the Hunger Games for Japanese. And better. we ended up watching Battle Royale together and she was like, ah, oh, it's all right. Fair Hunger Games. <laughs> She's not my girlfriend anymore. Like, no. <laughs> I, She's uh... buried in my bag. Her collar exploded. <laughs> <laughs> After half an hour of beeping. That does sound like... She's an animal, though. Let's move yeah. on from that. That's weird. I think the... Uh, not not to be uh, 
instantly killed by my two co-hosts. Oh, you I Hunger Games loving pieces of shit. I prefer Battle Royale too. I uh, I do like the Hunger Games, and I also think that the um, in a lot of ways the setup of the society makes more sense than Battle Royale. That's fair. That's fair. Could um, you clarify how much of the Hunger Games you like, please? You do? mean the first two, right? Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's the, fine. The, that's first, fine. the first two little bits of the third, not really the fourth. Yeah, that's fair. Agreed. I don't dislike it. The world building makes more. Uh, it's it's just, is more in depth. The yeah. fact that. I know a lot of people, and Matt kind of touched on this earlier, mm. is like when it's people's first exposure to Japanese cinema, mm. and even now a lot of people maybe who aren't mm. into world cinema or non-English speaking countries, you know, output into mm. Hollywood and stuff like yeah. that. It's kind of a big thing for me to say like, yeah, it's, it's like Hunger Games, but Japanese, and people are like, mm. ugh, they have subtitles. You know? <laughs> yes, yes, thing, yeah. it does have subtitles. Don't watch the dub. The dub's terrible. Uh, like, there's like fan dubbed versions of bollocks. Like, mm. nah, don't do that. Um, but I think it, it, that's kind of a barrier for a lot of people. And I'm the one that's been making most of the Hunger Games references. Mm. I think that's a big like sticking point for a lot of people. Is like, well, it's already been done by the Western world, so why do I see the Japanese version? Like, I think you, they're, they're very different. Films. They're very they different. Are different. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's a quick comparison to make. And like, like I said, mm. it's one I've been making a lot recently. But they're different enough films that they can stand alone. And as you said, Tim, you can enjoy both. Mm. And I do. I, I, I'm, I think you're not going to get killed by either me and Matt. Because <laughs> no, we agree fair. that the, yeah. the yeah. first two are pretty good. Mm. Yeah. And then you get the weird dog people in the fourth one. Mm. And what the fuck's there? And then he's in a coma and then he's evil and he's not evil and he's fine. And then everything's fine. Yeah. What the fuck? Anyway. And, and love triangles. Nothing bad about love triangles. There is a love triangle in Battle Royale, but it pans out really quickly and it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, again, it's unfortunate. I think we, it can never be a case of coming back to Battle Royale. You can't do a remake. You can't really... And I say you can't. You know, someone always, someone always mm. fucking tries. But it was a cultural touch point at some point that you couldn't really replicate, I don't think. So, arguably, it's one of those classic instances where we're going to try and fix something with our brains and our memories... And our imaginations, boys and girls. Because we're never going to see anything like this, I don't think. No, definitely not. Before we fix Battle Royale 2, we should talk about uh, the other really important thing in our lives right now. ASMR? Stitcher Premium. Which probably does have some ASMR podcasts. Probably. Um, There must be hundreds of ASMR podcasts, right? I must confess, I haven't heard any personally, so I don't know. Of the three of us, it was going to be you. It would be me, but I haven't haven't actively sorted out yet. Matt personally commissions all his ASMR. I could. So other than ASMR podcasts, there's lots of different podcasts on stitch.com slash premium. And if you go on the website, there are two different payment options. There's either monthly, which is $4.99 a month, or alternatively yearly at $34.99 a month. We're laughing because I keep saying annum. <laughs> <laughs> and effectively, yeah, you, uh, once you get to that stage, you can use our promo code Sequelizers. You know how to spell it. We trust you now. It's week three. You guys are on it. Um, and you get the first month free, which is great. And then we've used the service in the past. There's lots of cool things on there. I particularly like uh, the PBS show American Masters. Just tons of interviews. Things. There's a fucking John Carpenter. They're not half an hour long. There's a John Carpenter one. I don't um, think I've ever heard John Carpenter interviewed. I see. He's really. I've never kind of gone out of my way to find one. I've never really thought about it. It never occurred to me. But I'm, no. intri- I'm intrigued. I think, and that's the thing because they're only like short 20, 30 minute episodes. They're actually really quite interesting. I think the most recent one at the time of recording was Ethan Hawke. Um, but all kinds of things, not just actors, there's also like musicians and various bits of pieces and different artists and oh, okay. just, again, American individuals. But 
the John Carpenter one is always funny because of the fact that whenever Carpenter talks, he has such a droll, dry voice. But he's saying stuff that's quite passionate about film, especially. There's one moment where he's talking in an interview, not specifically this one, but a different one, where he's talking about Halloween um, and his journey to filming the first Halloween film and how he won an Oscar for his short film. But UCLA took it because they said, well, you used our stuff. And he still holds a grudge to this day that he's, you know, he is an Oscar winner, effectively, but they own it because it was their thing. So he's always, like, dec- it sort of almost shaped the path of his career and right. how he's like always been like, mm. like independent, owning stuff. And again, stuff you get from interviews in podcasts and things like that, you can find yourself on Stitcher and other different formats and things like that. So if you do, it helps the show. So it's a very, very big thank you from us. If you don't, uh, fuck you. Yeah, it's available on iOS and Android devices. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm an Android man myself, and yeah, uh, yeah I, I really like the app. Jack's like the a layout. robot. <laughs> please, please, Androids are not robots, <laughs> Timothy. They're mechanical human beings. Exactly, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I really like the app. I like you can build like playlists and stuff, which I really like having like a theme for. Like, oh, I really want to listen to all my wrestling podcasts, and yeah. I put them all in one place. Or all my D and D podcasts, I put them all in one place, or whatever. I like being able to kind of customize it to my mood and stuff like that. and Which yeah. you don't get with a lot of other apps as well. Exactly, right? yeah. yeah. It's a very like versatile, and I like that it's built for podcasts as well. It's none of this like, it's another thing that also plays podcasts, yes. but you've got to download them and load them into the app mm. from files on your thing. Because yeah. a lot of Android stuff is built like, oh, you have to root your device and then find the folder with the files in, yeah. and then the media player will play the things, but sometimes it doesn't play the things. Stitch is so easy. You just click the plus to subscribe, mm. click the download button to download stuff. You can set it to download the new episodes or download all the episodes or yeah. download them once per day so you have them ready for tomorrow, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I really like it. It's a useful little podcast playing app. We get a lot of uh, queries and questions every now and again about, oh, you guys make your episodes in various bits and pieces, obviously. But then, oh, it's not on the thing I've been looking for. I was like, yes, it is. Everything's on the RSS feed. It all links in. Yep. Which, again, is, means that you never have to look for stuff. It's already, if you subscribe to our channel on that thing, your little tick on Stitcher, right. it's all there. But when people say, oh, I listen to this, or I use this program, I'm just like, why? <laughs> I mean, I, I know people have familiarity. I'm always, I'm always fascinated by the people that download it directly on SoundCloud. Yeah, I've never gone to SoundCloud directly for a podcast in my entire life. I used to, before I found apps, <laughs> um, because uh, it, it, it's almost like, oh, well, I guess this is the place it comes from. It's like, no, uh, you can literally have other much you know, more keenly designed things. Uh, this is almost just a, just a housing for it. Um, so yeah, as much as it seems like we're being sort of, sort of cynical, buy, 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 sell our thing, but in truth, it's genuinely a good thing. So if you are listening to the show now and you're thinking to yourself. Actually, I've been using SoundCloud. Or I've been using something that doesn't really work for me. The new Apple, what the fuck ever, is if, if you want problems. some versatility and some good like podcast focused mm. app usage, then yeah, yeah, I highly recommend Stitcher. I currently use. Um, I have a, a gentleman in West Texas who downloads it <laughs> off of SoundCloud's RSS feed and then plays it to me over a CB radio. Mm. But um, breaker breaker one nine. Uh, can I can I guess his name? Um, you can feel free to. Is it Bill Candy? It might just be Bill Candy. Bill but, Candy. Um, uh, I think I'm going to switch to Stitcher because it does sound a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, you should. It's a, like only like, Tim. If you do that, you get a month fucking free from us. Holy if, shit! If you use our promo code, you'll get a free month. Yeah. So enjoy Stitcher Premium, Tim, and, and again, the listeners. I know it sounds like being, you know, frivolous considering we're banging about Patreon all the time and you know money and things like that, but. 
$35 a year is actually quite reasonable for the service. I was very, I was pleasantly surprised by that, yeah. I'm not going to lie. And that's not me, like, I'm not the kind of guy that would shill for some corporate same, bullshit. Same, same with us. I wouldn't just suck a corporate dick just because they told me to. That's why we wouldn't make these Huffley sequels, is we wouldn't say, oh, okay, I'll just make that for you then. Exactly. Oh, Let's churn out Despicable Me 3 and yeah. make it 80s, because 80s is hot right now. No, we do not do that shit. No. And uh, yeah, Stitcher is a genuinely good product, and we appreciate their support, and... You can go and support us via Stitcher. We'd really appreciate it. It helps, yeah. I, I do like the idea that every episode we do more of these and Tim uses more of the service. And so by episode 10, he's like, this is really fucking good. <laughs> it's like, you're right, Tim, it is. So with that out of the way, are you going to fix some BR2? BR2! That's how it's pronounced. She. Tinny. Um, Yeah, we could do that. Um, I took the the lead writing on this one mm. again. Uh, Strafted Despicable Me Too. Sab three. Surprise! Surprise! I had some ideas already. That's all I want to say. Really? You're not known for having ideas. What the fuck? <laughs> How rude! <laughs> I'm gonna run to my room and cry. A uh, little peek behind the scenes. Matt writes all the scripts before I write any of my scripts, <laughs> and I was doing episode one this season. And Matt was like, "Yeah, I'm done." I'm like, "What do you mean you're done?" We haven't even discussed what the episodes are yet. Doesn't done. matter. I've got them already. They're already done. This... And me and Tim are just sending messages. Fuck you, Matt. <laughs> it, it is a point of frustration for literally everyone who knows me. It's like, oh, Matt, we're going to work on a on a script. Done it. I've done it all. It's done. Um, no, but so... we were going to. Done. It's done. Did you hear me? I like it's the done. idea we could cast. No, because mm. I've already done it. Show me what you've got. <laughs> so let's talk about some details, shall we, everybody? Please hit me with some details. Should we do our traditional Rotten Tomato guesstimation? I am excited. So I'm guessing a big gap, a significant gap. Yes, I'm. I have an early prediction. Okay, because the uh, sequelizers we had a habit of getting films that were like sixty, fifty to sixty points apart, where the first one was like seventy, and then the second one was twenty or whatever. So I'm going to guess a significant, significant gap of that kind of range. Uh, let's mm, uh, let's mm. have your guesses for Battle Royale 1 first. Ooh, Battle Royale. Um, I think it's not going to be as high as everyone thinks. I agree. Because of the nature of uh, contemporary reviews being quite yeah slim on the ground, basically. I'm going to say it's a 73. Oh, I was going to go 80 square on. I think it's massive 90 for me personally, but 73 yeah. is what I think it's going to get. Jack is closer. Oh. With, it scores 87. That's, oh, that's, that's good. That's, that's about that's right. Deserved, I right? agree. Yeah, yeah. I that's, that's fair. That's fair. Just nodding heads. What do we think for Battle Royale 2? At that point, people would know. Significantly less. And it slagged off America. Yeah. That it has an anti-9-11 or pro-9-11. I don't know how you word that phrase. You know what I mean. It's about as politically confused as The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> I'd say more I so. I have a weird memory I'm going to bring up as a little diversion. Is it 9 11? No. Okay. Uh, Thank God for the that. The Tokyo Metropolitan Government Building, those two tower thingies mm. that the blow up in. I went up those um, and I turned to my wife and said, Hey, these blow up in uh, <laughs> Battle Royale 2. She went, What? I said, It's a film. She went, I know what it is. Why are you mentioning it now? Just thinking about it. <laughs> Anyway, because of that, I'm going to say this went down only to 41. Oh, we want to lower than that. 35. 
Lower still, 30%. Wow. Uh, fair, but... Uh... Yes, yeah. yeah, agreed. With a with an audience score of 29%. Oh, wow. Um, whereas the audience score for the original Battle Royale is 89 So, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. The... Audiences, we usually can tell them to fuck off because I don't mm. know what I'm talking about most of the time. But because, um, as we know, Transformers Age of Extinction, highest <laughs> grossing film of the year. But Dark Knight Rise. Dark Rises. Mm. Um but that does fit. That's pretty That's... pretty matches up with yep. what the yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. I totally agree with Are both you of those numbers. Feel? Yeah. But don't worry, we're gonna fix it quite easily. Yeah. Um we'll keep the release year of two thousand three. Nothing wrong with that. Good. That's fine. No problems there. Uh we're gonna change the title. Requiem and Revenge are boring. Very cliche. Yes. Very early two thousands, but very uh... Oh yeah, really early two thousands, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Matrix. Uh, whenever I hear Requiem I always think of Alien vs. Predator two. Oh yeah! Oh yeah. God! Yep. I think of Resident Evil, and that's not even one of the titles. No, it's not. <laughs> no they they had all the other generic yeah. extinction, apocalypse, yeah. retribution, umbrella. I don't think retribution is <laughs> one of them, but it sounds like it might be. Um, Code Veronica. <laughs> that generic title. Yeah. I like Code Veronica. It's a right game. It's a great title. No, it's um, not. <laughs> so we're gonna call it Battle Royale Two. What? Millennium Dawn. That's a cool name. That sounds like a cool Japanese thing. Yeah, it's it's, it's also because like, Japanese put like two like two like, syllables in it. Yeah, two, yeah. Two, two. <laughs> Which sounds like I'm being racist, but it's not. That's, but, but, I mean, it's a little bit. I mean, a little bit. Yeah, but it's more how I pronounce like DVD player. It's DVD DVD player. Yeah, I think yeah. yeah. And it's it's really that um my wife okay so my wife studied. Japanese in school and it's I can't with a word for it but there's like borrowed languages thing so they have mm. literally we're not going to bother creating a new word for it we'll just use the English mm. word it's, it's really funny at work for me I work with two Japanese people yeah um, and they will have conversations in Japanese fairly regularly and then occasionally Jack DVD player blah 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 the internet and I'm like what the fuck yeah because a lot of the phrases from like very modern phrases like internet or yes, browser yes. or these weird things that don't really translate because these languages predate those words. Mm-hmm. People don't bother translating them. Mm-hmm. And even seeing it typed out, <laughs> you see like all this kanji and yep. then internet. And you're like, oh, that's weird. Okay. Mm. And yeah, that kind of works in a, in a kind of japanese kind of way. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. It's, it's the kind of thing that, especially if you've ever like looked at a, a like a, a a PlayStation game, basically, or an anime with certain titles. It's because it has, for lack of a better word, good mouthfeel when you say it in mm. Japanese. Celador. Celador. Um, so, yes, the the idea that... Uh, I think this, again, in Japan, it was like a... Um, uh, just any sort of, like, asking for permission to go to the name or, or trying to figure out where everything is, and then having not entirely confident what the word is, and you say, I think I'm just going to wing it and just say it. With the same pronunciation. Uh, Pronounce it with a Japanese accent. Yeah, so it's like a dog kind of not okay. Yeah, don't say like, credit to Cardo? And he goes, oh, hi. Oh, I was like, oh, this, this, fine. I did the same thing when I was in Japan as well. Yeah. So yeah. it sounds massively offensive but, and it on um, level kind of is, but it's also like, it's kind of the nature of what it's like in Japan sometimes, yeah. unfortunately. And we're privileged because we speak English. Yes. And we can go anywhere and basically say like, oh, here's our word with your accent. It's you that right. You understand yeah. me. I mean, ramen is the best one the because it's like we brought lemon. Well, we the Americans brought lemonade, and they say, "Ah, uh, ramen, got it." 
Yeah. And that's one of the biggest <laughs> things they have in terms of like soft drink. Anyway, so we're calling it Battle Royale 2 Millennium Dawn. There is also Lem- a reason. Lemonade Dawn, got it. Lemonade yeah. Dawn. Yeah. But there's a reason for this. It's not just because of the fact that, you know, it was the early Millennium in 2000s, but the original Battle Royale Act in the film is called the Millennium Educational Reform Act. Oh, okay. So I wanted to do this, but like, oh, which this- is not as catchy as Battle Royale. Oh, exactly, yeah. yeah. But equally, this is before the phrase millennials comes around. And feels like I was almost mm. like a precursor. It's not to millennial it. dawn. It's millennial dawn. <laughs> Hand over your wallets. <laughs> no money for you, kids. The, this time, the things, a... the things we're killing are family restaurants and the diamond industry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God forbid we kill the diamond industry. I mean, I'm doing my bit. I'm doing my part too. <laughs> Starship Troopers. <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, also going to replace the director for multiple reasons. Because he's dead. No, sorry. Oh. The director of Battlefield 2. <laughs> okay. I mean, Fair yeah, enough. the dad's also dead. Also that too. But uh, yeah, Kentra as well. We're gonna Does this him. guy do an awkward presentation with... With ashes? <laughs> with the other guy's dad's ashes. I don't think he would. <laughs> okay. I don't think he would. So no. you could suit yourself. <laughs> but I can't guarantee he wouldn't. <laughs> so effectively speaking, we're going to go with uh, Katsuki Motohiro, who... Um, a fairly established Japanese director. He did a film, or actually a couple of films. The sequel wasn't as good, oddly enough. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I know. Called um, Bayside Shakedown. And it's a sort of like action comedy kind of thing. Um, did extremely well. It's, one of, it's still one of the highest grossing Japanese films. Everyone's horror, basically. And then he did Psycho Pass and other different... Um, I think he did the Furikuri anime stuff as well. So he has a very good visual style and references. And he's a very obvious go-to guy. In terms of like in that age, who could have done a half decent job? We think, in in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, cast is an interesting one. So, returning cast, we're keeping Ricky Takeuchi. He will not be playing Ricky Takeuchi. Oh, <laughs> he boo. will be playing basically the same character, but with a name because that's how <laughs> acting works. They just call him teacher in the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going with uh, Toyonaga. That's the character's name. Okay. We're also bringing back... Uh, this is the thing with honorifics and Japanese names. Uh, I'm used to quoting and saying, Nanahara Shuya! But mm-hmm. then realizing that that's surname, first name. Yes, so we'll yeah. turn it over. Shuya Nanahara. Um, Tatsuya Fujiwara is coming back. He's great. He's an identifiable person. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, what's that? Old man. Looks like a young man. <laughs> yeah. Classic. <laughs> Noriko. Oh. Yeah, we're bringing that character Absolutely. back. Absolutely. Of course we are. Huge so, problem we mentioned earlier with the second one. Mm. Bring back Noriko. Yeah. She's so, great. Um, Ali Maeda is coming back. Because she's a very good capable actor. She's very good in, in the five seconds she's in the fucking film. So, yeah, she'll be a main part. Now, with the entire class of 40-odd kids... Have you not got a list of 40 different Japanese names? Though? Here's the thing. I did start one. I knew you would. <laughs> I knew you would. I started one... I said one... that as a joke, and I was like, oh, I know what Matt's like. No, I started one, and then I You're immediately running thought, out of honorisms. Yeah, stuff, like. I thought, this is fucking stupid. So I had initially an idea for a huge cast, but in truth, there's no point. We could literally just sit here while I reel off a load of Japanese names and everyone in the audience goes, cool, <laughs> I'm going to skip this bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, well done, Matt. You've watched a lot of films. Yeah, you know a lot of people from the early 2000s who have been appropriate. You know how to use IMDb. I mean, yeah, that's how it works usually. So effectively, the, the cast is almost in a weird way kind of irrelevant because they are largely disposable. Mm. And rather than saying, well, here are the key you know, people's, in truth, it almost doesn't matter 
in a strange way. We can get any talented young Asian actor from Japan, and that would be a really good fit, arguably. Or more accurately, with this specific director. No TV actors. Well, even then with the, the director, joking, I think you can, yeah, you can make yeah. it work. Um, but the story is interesting because it's going to start kind of the same. So if you're all sitting comfortably, we'll jump in with Battle Royale 2 Millennium Dawn. Please do, Matthew. Please do. Three years after the events of the first film, Shia Nanahara and Noriko Nakagawa, uh, the survivors of the last Battle Royale tournament, have formed a rebel group called Millennium Dawn. The film opens with an attack on Tokyo's main financial district, causing chaos as adults' credit ratings and bank histories are instantly wiped due to the fascistic government sort of forcing all monetary trading to be kept nationally. Do they escape on motorbikes magically that appear (laughs) in the middle of Japanese Wall Street? Um... No. Oh. Nolan isn't directing this. Ah, oh, see yourself. <laughs> uh, we will have, obviously, as you say at the start of the film, do what Battle Royale usually does, have some giant title cards over some immense um, classic <laughs> music to explain what's happening. You're like, oh my God. Anyway, as a counteraction, the government announces the second Battle Royale act. Unlike the first Battle Royale program, the adults are surprised to see several students actively volunteering. Mm. This is revealed to be down to heavy propaganda, marketing, and misinformation, pitching Millennium Dawn as a disruptive terrorist cell rather than freedom fighters. A class of teenagers from Hamamatsu Junior High School are similarly kidnapped to fill out the numbers alongside the murder-hungry enrollees and thrown together in a detention centre outside Nagoya. There is an immediate mix of fear from the selected students and disgust from those who signed up. This is broken up when they are introduced to their commanding officer, a school teacher named Toyonaga. The teacher explains to the group the situation is dire and attacks are happening all over Japan. He goes further and blames their entire generation for failing their country and the government has decided it is their duty to rectify the situation. So it is millennial dawn after (laughs) all. (laughs) He also explains that the students will be outfitted with the same explosive collars and sent in to either infiltrate or storm the Millennium Dawn headquarters. With little information about the exact whereabouts of Shuya's group, these kids are merely one of several tactical cells. Toyonaga adds that their devices will be paired to another student. This is demonstrated when one of the kidnapped class members tries to sneak out and one of the volunteers dies too. There is momentary panic and immediate friction between the two groups, which is broken up by the teacher explaining that they must work together if they are to survive. He then calls out a list of the pairings. That does not go on for 20 fucking minutes. Mm-hmm. Sure. And there's a guy holding a bloody rugby ball, and then he gets shot, and then he picks it up, and it's all really dramatic. And, and he whispers, we are friends. Rugby. And we get the subtitle, we are friends, later. <laughs> <laughs> so when you first see it, you think, what's happening? Battle Royale 2, we are friends. <laughs> I mean... You know, anime lessons. Better than Requiem. (laughs) The film takes time showing the two groups training and bonding. What? Hey, (laughs) finally, we cracked it. All they needed is that one sentence. Yep. With the kidnapped kids learning the horror stories that drove the others to enlist. By the end of the sequence, the group act as one and have gained immense and impressive mercenary skills, with some specialising in combat while others favouring technological warfare via remote-operated machine units. Two students are also given access to a prototype mech, which the government believes will end the conflict once and for all. Fired up. That's an in-joke for me and other Japanese-speaking people. (laughs) And hungry for what they believe to be honor-bound revenge, the group receive their orders and make their way to the ruins of Hadana. Upon arrival, the team infiltrate the city, but are caught up in an immediate firefight with high casualties. Things start to change slightly when the mech unit is finally deployed and the guerrilla forces of Millennium Dawn are forced to retreat. As they do, the rebel forces are shocked to see their adversaries are actually fellow kids. 
Emboldened by this minor victory, the attacking teens celebrate, and for a brief moment they are allowed to be kids. This quickly ends when they realise their collars are no longer active, and that Shuya himself has arrived. A brief bit of infighting ensues, with several of the enrollees trying to kill Shuya, but being talked down and blocked by the others, wanting to know why he has appeared. Shuya then explains the situation and does his best to break the brainwashing. The students reluctantly come around and have a moment of despair being manipulated so heavily by seemingly everyone. Shuya offers them a chance to be smuggled out to South Korea, or to alternatively stay and fight. After a debate, the students split ways. So you're not smuggling them to Afghanistan, right? Uh... No, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> that felt like a really long ass journey that didn't make a great really? deal of sense. Yeah, no, yeah. And South Korea just being almost like there. South Korea makes a million times more geographical sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's literally the closest thing to Japan other than Russia, <laughs> and we don't want to go there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Those that stayed with Millennium Dawn are introduced to the group and apologize for the attack. They are immediately forgiven and welcomed, especially as they can now commandeer the government's mech unit. Noriko dictates a new plan to break into the NHK building in Tokyo and broadcast worldwide what is happening in Japan. It is a highly risky operation, but they believe now they have the support and firepower to just about pull it off. In that moment, Noriko receives a communication from Shuya that the group who are being smuggled out to the Korean peninsula have been ambushed. We cut to an almighty battle just as Toyonaga delivers the fatal blow to Shuya and takes the radio, explaining that he is coming for them. The new inductees are outraged and vow to avenge everyone, but Norika remains level-headed, burying her emotions and explaining that they have to use the opportunity as a diversion and act on their plan as soon as possible. The others reluctantly and mournfully agree. In the middle of Tokyo, an unscheduled Shinkansen bullet train arrives at the station. The students pour out in a hail of gunfire, mowing down unsuspecting guards. The group make their way through the city in a long battle sequence, taking out several aerial gunner towers and suffering casualties along the way. Once the towers are cleared, Noriko radios a message, and a helicopter carrying a shipping crate whips over through the skyscrapers towards Yoyogi Park. As it gets closer, a cable is released and the crate crashes to the ground, releasing the mech unit which bursts into the relatively unfortified NHK building. Making it to the broadcasting room, Takuma, um, we're kind of keeping Taku as a character, just in name only. Um, exits How the much mech. does he love rugby though, man? He is aware of rugby. He oh. will rugby tackle someone with the mech. Cool. <laughs> Sign me up. Yep. Uh, he exits the mech and forces a technician to upload the footage. The broadcast starts, locking out the rest of the system, just as um, a guard kicks the door in and kills the two mech pilots. The pre-recorded message with footage of the government's actions is broadcast worldwide. Noriko watches the now-dead Shuya plead with the world for help to resist, as we see Toyonaga executed by Japanese generals for failing his assignment. As the message continues, we see the student strike force getting overwhelmed by military forces and slowly wiped out before only Noriko is left. She is eventually killed as well, with blood splattering the screen she's watching, and the film closes on an uncertain air of whether the insurgents were victorious or not. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. I'd also say we shouldn't have a third film, I don't think. Maybe, yeah. maybe but... I feel, I feel like a third film would maybe do the problem that a lot of third films do is over-explain the second one. Yeah. And kind of like, no, they did survive and everything's fine, yeah. which is what mm. happens in Battle Royale 2. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're bombed to fuck and it fades to white, like Black Adder style, and they run out into the oblivion and then they're in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. The fuck? 
You didn't do that, and I appreciate that. You, <laughs> you actually kill off the characters in a meaningful way. It's it, Yeah, it has to have an impact. Yeah, I think there are a couple of things a couple of things I have questions about, but I want to kind of focus on the, the positives for a moment. Sure, sure. I like making sure you're a martyr. I think that works really well for him mm. completing his character arc from the first one, mm. becoming a freedom fighter and a rebel, and then going on to kind of be the voice of the voiceless yeah. in that in that broadcast whether it's successful or not you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, and the, and fa- then... the fact that he dies getting people out exactly is, is yeah. very yeah. he doesn't just die it's a hero's death hold up in a cabin somewhere or uh, the castle or whatever the hell that thing is candlelit manor exactly mm-hmm. candlelit manor in the middle of nowhere like not really doing anything yeah because it's really not clear what Wild 7 are doing they're just hanging out in Place in the island. middle of nowhere, yeah. island in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. They've got, Whereas they've your got guys an EMP, <laughs> an EMB, according to the yes. subtitles, because <laughs> yeah. reasons. And they said that about eighteen times in that scene. Yeah, yeah. I assume it's a similar kind of thing because you mentioned the the things are deactivated, the collars are deactivated. Yeah, yeah. I assume it's less clunky and shit. <laughs> and I'm really imagining like the reveal of Shuyan that had a real clear kind of cinematic picture in my mind. Mm-hmm. I've almost like an Akira style shot of like him. Appear almost appearing out of nowhere. Everything like time almost stops, and they realize their collars aren't beeping. That's almost exactly what's happening. And he kind of appears as like, "Oh fuck, it's Shuya." Like, it's an entrance. It's the, it it's needs. the guy yes. from Battle Royale. Yeah, the one before. He's he's the survivor. Mm-hmm. Almost like almost like they wouldn't know his name. Like he's the survivor from yeah. the first mm-hmm. one or something like that. And that they will um, then start spilling over each other to like half of them want him dead, half don't. And it, exactly. It feels yeah. I can see, and without sounding ridiculous, I can see. A, a Japanese cast doing that really well. Absolutely, yeah. Because they it, it feels very Japanese, and yeah. I like I can picture that shot mm-hmm. as a very low, almost like he appears as just a silhouette or something like that. Yep. And you're like, yep. oh, like is this guy?" And everybody stops to pay attention to him, mm-hmm. which makes him feel so much more significant than he is in the second yeah. one. Yeah, and him. I think that's a, that's a whole point, and you're bringing back Noriko as well. She then feels a lot more important because she's not in mm-hmm. Requiem at all, oh, that's basically, so and. Her and Shuya being those kind of two sides of that coin and working well together in that, yeah. splitting the party and all that kind of thing, to use a D&D term. Hmm. Um, I think that works really well, and Korea makes a whole hell of a lot more sense. Um, do you want to explain what NHK is, by the way, Matt? Yeah, I appreciate I, I think I've, People who know about Japanese culture probably know what it is. Yes. But... NHK is a... F- NHK? It is Squish. NHK is the National Broadcasting Company of Japan. It's their BBC. It's their BBC. It's their CNN. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, PBS, I guess, is the national yeah. one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But effectively, yes, it's their national thing. Um, so, uh, contempt, you know, biography moment here, pointless. Uh, I uh, visited Japan. What? <laughs> it is true. No. And we stayed um, near Yoyogi Park and walked past and thought, oh, shit, NHK, like, Studios here. That's that's crazy. It's just right next to the, and it's literally next to Yogi Park, which has like um, uh, sort of stadium ring area where they do like the, the athletics park stuff. And next to the major Jingu shrines, so it's a big tourist area. And then Shibuya is right there. And it's like, oh, it's really centralized. And then uh, when we were coming up with the pitch for this, trying to work in an idea that you know why is the world allowing Japan of all places to kill yeah. its kids? Mm. It's not. I remember correctly. It's not really addressed what's happening in the rest of the world at this point. It's like no. Britain has its own battle royale. Mm. It's like GB BR two. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, God. 
is is that happening? Is it specifically a Japanese thing? Because the first one very much focuses, like you mentioned, it's a cultural thing. Yes, mm. it's very much focused on the hierarchy and the structure of, mm-hmm. in a negative way, like spinning Japanese society to its nth degree in a yes. negative way and mm. making the as science fiction usually does. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like an apocalyptic. Here's where Kaplan's going to lead us, and mm. then this is yeah. how Japanese society and hierarchy kind of works. The second one just kind of like, yeah, they've got an island now. It's very similar. Where? Yeah. What island? Yeah. How? What? Aren't other countries worried about a terrorist group taking over an island? Yes. The fuck are you talking about? Mm. And then America suddenly cares <laughs> because reasons. Because they need to. Um, reasons, yeah. Because yeah. they need to stick their nose in, in everything. In the book specifically, it does point. I mean, in the film, it just seems to be like that. Kids are bastards, and they, you know, carry knives in schools. Therefore, we have to start wiping them out. It's like that's a bit of a fucking leap. Mm. So do adults. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we're fine with them they're okay they pay taxes we can, we can kill adults that's fine <laughs> yeah but it's interesting because in the sort of time as well when Japan in the early 2000s when the birth rate started going down mm, yes and school I mean a big thought like a lot of uh, you know, anime and film plots is the idea of our school is being shut down or merged with three other schools we want to keep our school open come and go to our school and so it's it's a very much a, a Japanese cultural thing effectively it speaks to that culture so the film makes it a little more grounded, whereas in the book, if I remember correctly, it is like this is a proper fascist government, right? Mm. Yeah, and they have been like you know that's part of their their plan, as it were. And so I've sort of tried to bring a bit of that back. Now, admittedly, I feel it can be developed more. Yeah, I think a thing that you do more than the film does, but that I would also like to see more. I agree. Yeah. Is a better idea of like what what does day to day life look like for these kids before they get kidnapped? kidnapped like yeah. what is life in this fascist society and, like and you kind of touched upon that with the world building hunger games does mm. and that's probably my favorite thing about that series mm. is the way that it builds up is it panam panam yeah, the, yeah mm. the 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 society and the the continent i guess mm. that they're on i really like that world building side of it and seeing the you know the people fighting for the scraps in the in the mm. tournaments and whatever and then also the the affluent, the the adults in this case, or the mm. the rich people in Hunger Games, kind yeah. of seen that other side of things. We kind of, I guess, get a glimpse of that in in Toyonaga in the new uh, teacher character, mm. I guess, mm. in the the commanding mm. officer character. Would he still have a collar on? Is that is that a thing you would no. keep? No, I agree with you. Mm. I think that I think that works with him not having that. In, it could in your incentivize version. him. It could be interesting, but I think more just him being someone who vindictively just hates kids. Yeah, mm. yeah. Makes I think that makes sense. him a lot more menacing more of an antagonist because there isn't really an antagonist in the second one either there's like no there's kids fighting kids Mm. and then there's bombs from america and america's the bad guy okay sure antagonist it's america there's no person that you can kind of direct your evil like hatred to or anything like that whereas he is just kind of like he is an asshole and kills a kid in front of a bunch of other kids And then everything's fine because he wants to play rugby and they're like, no, he was a good guy after all (laughs) no i mean he did kill kids (laughs) Mm. in front of other kids in a prison for kids. <laughs> Pretty sure that's a bad guy. That's like the, oh, Kylo Ren, you know, oh, my Anakin Skywalker, they'll come back around. Like, they're genocidal murderers. Master Skywalker, what do we do? Master Skywalker. No redemption for you. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing of like trying to redeem that character. I'm surprised it's not Battle Royale to redemption. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But I like that you've kind of turned him into like, He's a bad dude. He yeah. should be mm. a bad guy. He has to be the, the face of adulthood. Exactly, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd quite like to maybe see... like, I'm, You mentioned like he's failed his mission. 
what exactly was his mission specifically? Because they do kill Shuya, which is because they very specifically in the original mm-hmm. in Requiem. Yes. It's killing Shuya yeah. is the specific goal. It's assassinate the leader. Mm. Whereas I guess yours is more of a They'll wipe them all out. Bring the organization down yeah. from the inside. Because this thing. isn't just like Shuya's a couple of Because he succeeds in his mission from Requiem, but you have not given him the same mission from Yes, yours, that, that's correct, yeah. That makes yeah, sense. The mission here is more the idea that you have to literally wipe this. And again, that they don't not really know where they are, hence why they're training up multiple cells. Uh, and that's why there's lots of these thing sort of like potentials. Right. Um yeah. but that Millennium Dawn isn't just Wild Seven, it's not just a couple of kids. It's a big group of disenfranchised mm. teens, basically. And I guess if you've got the propaganda for the Battle Royale 2 program, yeah. you've got the inverse of that in the, the freedom fighting, Correct. Mm. terroristy kind of side yeah. of things as well. I think well. there's certain scenes we could definitely put in to, I say, first of all, do a bit of world building. Explain what life is like. Especially when I think we get a glimpse of it when the invasion forces, as it were, storms Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Being the capital, I know. I mean, we're talking about mm. like the idea of uh, again, we rushed it because, as we always say, we have a limited word count for the for the synopsis trying mm. to get through, so it doesn't sound like we're droning on too much. Yeah. But the battle through Tokyo, for example, bullet train pulls up, kids come out, guns blazing, and they'd be going through, and you'd see what it would be like in this in this new city, basically. And mm. so like, there's aerial gun towers, there's all this sort of stuff. I'd like want to see like almost e- it's a strange thing, not 1984 equilibrium style. Mm. Um, Propaganda everywhere, yes, big guys yeah. watching. Yeah. Proper fascistic, yeah. more cameras, that kind of thing. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, I quite like the idea of having that moment draw out longer than, like you said, that you could fit in the text, yeah. and having that, we really actually get an idea of you know, life. Maybe yeah. we we follow a guy in the train station, mm-hmm. and yeah. suddenly we cut from like mm-hmm. big mm-hmm. battles and explosions, and then we have a quiet like five minutes with this guy who is mm. like, oh, he kisses his kids goodbye and he goes off and he's going to work and he's going to catch the next Shinkansen and he's just I hanging think, out yeah, and we he's could a easily... bit miserable and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, fuck kids, gunfire. Mm. And then suddenly yeah. you bring those two worlds together and kind of that twist that in a... Especially considering we have a, a terrorist attack at the start of the film yeah, in the absolutely. financial district. Yeah. Could, they, you start quite unassuming with something that isn't too drawn out, but something mm-hmm. that could actually do that quite yeah. yeah. Or you could even have them trying to sort of stay hidden to start with. Like the the fact that you have the mech Ooh, being like drop, dropped nice. off later in the film, you could you could kind of have that kind of initial almost like an infiltration force who yes. like, are trying to get near to the thing uh, to to the NHK station yeah. so that they can then you know like clear the zone so that the yeah. mech can be dropped off and you know with it yeah with heavier machine quite, guns quite like that idea yeah. Tim you bringing in like kind of like. Maybe we kind of combine my idea of having that like extended scene with the guy, mm. and you see some recognizable characters mm. at the train station with yes. us. Yeah, and or just like that's, they mm. walk past him in the street. One of yeah. them bumps into him, and they're like, "Hey, kid!" And he's like, oh, "Fuck and, you, and adult." That's, and that's, that's also kind of like, a, a chance for them to essentially, you know, like disguise themselves because we we see absolutely we yeah. see what life is like for Millennium Dawn, Dawn the the, the rebels. Yes. We see what life is like for the the kids who are selected for the battle royale. We don't really see what life is like for all the other teenagers in yes. Japan who have yeah. to live with this system. The fear this, of possibly with the like, fear. Of, yes. so, yeah. Would you see some like homeless teenagers mm. and stuff like that, and some like they're they're yeah, being particularly subjugated mm. or yeah. segregated or whatever or, it is? And like, they could just be watched uh, watch the transition from someone who is effectively um, 
a kid who gets shot to say, you know, in a typical way. Best way I could describe it is if you took like a World War Two or even like an Occupy, anything occupied, like Occupy France, mm. uh, Korea occupied by Japan sort of thing. Mm. And you've got... Occupy Wall Street, like Diamond mm. Rises talks <laughs> yeah, about, right? Yeah. Yeah. In a manner. Um, so effectively the idea that, you know, <laughs> when you're trying to fight something that is everywhere. So the idea that it could be, just, you know, one of the members yeah. of the not act intentionally, but shunts accidentally past the person in a busy street and the adult starts chastising for being a kid. Like, mm. you damn kids are respecting. I hope you get selected, that kind of thing. Mm. Kids watching on and yeah. the kid just pop, turns around, pops them the gun mm. and moves on. And that's just so shocking to other teenagers. Like, yeah, we yeah. don't have to put up with this. Mm. It's horrible because obviously what you're witnessing is murder. But yeah. at the same time, it's still a moment of like uh, realization that the oppressed yeah, sure. can mm. rise up. Um, the Dean's Rise. <laughs> Dean's Rise sounds like some sort of website. It does, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I think the other thing I'd really like to see is like um, you mentioned, like the aerial gun towers. Yes, mm. and I really like like a like having a scene where there's like a couple of them that are, like perhaps facing down the mech, and then there's like a a, a a bomb that has to be delivered like past them, and then like the mech could kind of line up and perhaps like kick it between the two tower the the, the two kind of posts. Yeah. yeah. With the with the um, area on the do you feel c- like the hand should go up at the end? Yeah, like a yeah. Uh, Have you been watching the Mummy recently? <laughs> <laughs> the Mummy Three, because Yetis do that. <laughs> oh very... yeah, the abominable snowman guys. Yeah, Makes me angry. Oh, fuck that um, shit. Tim, I like what you're suggesting. Mm. Um, uh, as always with sequelizers, we always we always want to pitch new ideas mm. and things we think would be good, especially mm. for international audiences as well. Yeah. Uh, and I know you're trying to sort of bring rugby in here. Yeah. Um, but um. Are you really passionate about rugby, Tim? I've never gotten that impression about you. Um, uh, I'm gonna have to say it's 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 a good idea, but the thing is about the mech specifically. Mm. I was thinking rather than being like Pacific Rim, huge thing. Mm. It's gonna be a very simple, almost like a tank Gundam. Yeah. Mm. No, no, it's it's, it's small. Yeah, like yeah. 400 feet tall Gundam, right? No, it's, it's small. <laughs> yeah, it's small in, in in terms of scales of Gundams. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not Gundam. It's not, it's not, not one of the Gundams. Okay, right, right. No, no, right, right. It's, it's not like a Gurren Langer one where it's Gurren the size of a universe. Yeah. Um, so no, it's no. a Zord, not a Megazord. That's what I'm hearing. No. Okay. It's a uh, because it gets into the building. Daily stood still. Yeah, a, a Patlabor, perhaps. Oh, Patlabor. Tim, welcome to the <laughs> the smile. Patlabor. Good job. Yeah, that's it. It's a, it's it's and also just point out because that that does escalate the script like mm. Max it's like mm. but the really thing that fucks me off is you get like the idea like these are the mercenary kids and like they do infiltration as well mm. the i the concept that we are giving these kids training to infiltrate a city that they have a confident idea that's where mm. they are mm. but to get back to the mission of what Toyonaga's mission is have the kids either go and kill all of them or get close enough that the collars are go off and they'll die anyway. Mm. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's the kind of thing is like, we'll take out enough of them anyway and we don't go on another cell. We, and we know mm. where they are, they won't be able to mobilize in time. Boom. That kind and, of thing. And you having split up the cells and having different things yeah. means you can't just bomb the fuckers. No. Because that solves the problem straight away, as exactly. we talked about mm. in, in Red. They're on island. Yeah. <laughs> um, a couple of things about the mech is. Yes. Kind of comes out of nowhere, right? It's, I'm like, kind we're of. not really clear about when how far into a fascistic future I guess this could be set or is it like well, no, it's, it's, an it's alternate yeah. timeline mm. of 2003 where yeah. there are mechs and stuff would there be mechs is that, that, well, it's, it's that feels thing. like that's a very big escalation in terms of the sci-fi stuff like, yeah so my, my logic in theory be... like neck collars I guess that could exist you could <laughs> yeah. do a bluetoothy thing they have those like 
light up things at Taylor Swift concerts and stuff that all mm-hmm. like pulse in time with the music and you there's 50,000 uh, people and stuff. Dog mm-hmm. collars that like shock them if they leave your house. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> horrible, but That's, sure. It is horrible. <laughs> royal for my kids. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it feels like a very big like, it's a, it's a oh move. fuck, there's mechs now. Yeah. Like, that's a big statement in terms of when we're talking about world building. Yes. It's like, oh, there's kids and blah, blah, blah. Imagine if a mech appeared in Hunger Games and you're like, what the fuck mm. is going on? Well, here's the thing. That so, could work really well, but also could be a... It could fall apart, yeah. Oh, my God. Where, why are there mechs in this? Sh- my my logic is as follows. Uh, it, Japan uh, loves <laughs> mechs. Partly. Three words. At uh, the start, we would obviously do more of a... To, to explain what mm. the universe is. And especially things like aerial gun towers and things. It's going to have a slightly... Uh, semi-futuristic mm. sort of look to it. It's going to have a bit of it. Imagining almost like a 2099 kind of style. Mm. Spider-Man 2099. Kind of, but not that advanced. Mm. Not okay. even like a Blade Runner style advanced. It's much, much okay. more subdued. Mm. It's, it's okay. uh, Children of Men. Mm. Oh, now we're talking. Um, the idea that everything in Children of Men feels just mm. in reach. And it's just just yeah. almost yeah. like Like, for example, in Children of Men, when it first came out, they have but um, on the side of buses moving adverts, and it's mm. like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, whoa! And you go on the underground, or they're all like, you know, LED, mm. um, yeah. screens now with uh, mm. moving adverts. And it's like, mm. yeah, yeah, it's just a matter of time. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think the way we would do make is more about the presentation of it. So, for example, and I hate this is more about the idea that we got all these all these kids with the mercenary stuff. I always found it slightly annoying that in the battle royale films, well, well especially two, not enough robots, not enough robots. And also the idea that, okay, here's a good analogy for you. Uh-oh, here we go. Rugby. Yeah. <laughs> In rugby, unlike, say, it's hockey. Played or, by robots. Yeah, unlike um, football or hockey or something, you will oh, have to be... pansy sports. <laughs> you will have to be universally good at stuff, right? You have to be all good at running and all good mm. at some things. Whereas in rugby, the idea is you're supposed to have a, a position for anybody. So if you're a short, stocky person, if you're a tall, lanky person, if you're a just a regular bill person if you're good at running if you're not good at running if you're good at pushing mm. if you're good at kicking there's a position for you in rugby arguably and that's kind of nice and that's why it's an all-rounded team sort of thing there's a there's a arguably a place for everyone technically therefore mechs therefore mechs <laughs> so i always like the idea of you know in the first film for example you got all the the three i think three or four friends who are figure out the collars very quickly, start dampening the, mm, the colors right, with, the, yeah, with yeah. the rags and start trying to hack computers to figure out how to figure out the mm. map and all the things they need to sort out. And it's, it's, a, it's a nice little additional side story and it's, it utilizes their skills. In the same way I wanted to do it here with like, I did like uh, remote controlled, effectively drones. Mm. Um, and it's like, well, you wouldn't just send everyone in with a gun. They'd die almost immediately and they'd be paired up and be, yeah, literally what happens in Battle Royale too. Mm. So obviously you get the training to start with to make sure they bond over things and they get, you know, mm. a, emotional yeah. bonding and physical ability, which then obviously foreshadowing turns on them when they end up infiltrating and successfully executing missions in Tokyo itself because mm. what did you fucking think would happen? Mm. Next thing is technology. So... We use things like drones and, and other robot-esque sort of like, you know, uh, infiltration units and things. It won't be full-on Skynet-style hunter-killer drone. It won't be what drones we have now. It'd be just sort of early 2000s-esque little rover kind of things. It'd be mm. something different. So you don't run in, you do this, you're good with computers. Mm. The mech is very much the idea of this is a test. This is a prototype. Right, this probably okay. won't work. It is basically a box tank with legs. It's not like a really cool animated moving mm. thing. It is a functional tank, effectively. Mm. Um, 
And so te- I think that's kind of a key point about getting across what it is and how it works and all that sort of stuff. It's less about the fact that it is a uh, a, a cool visual on the poster. It's more. It's another type of gun. Mm. It's a. T- I almost imagine it like the they the R two o nines from Robocop. Like the other little prototypey yes. things, where it is just guns on legs, basically. Like, I mean, kind yeah. of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and it, a similar sort of size, like you said, not a. Yeah, it's not a huge stomping thing, and it's to get into a building, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's it's one of those things that's either going to make or break the film, partly. But I think with enough grounding of what this universe is and the nature of, let's face it, the 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 novelty of the first one was the tension of seeing what was going to happen and how they're going to die. This one is going to be a bit of an escalation to that, saying. Um, we know what's going to happen, but then you realize who are they going to kill? Is mm-hmm. it going to be their own? Is it going to be their friends? Is it going to be mm-hmm. the people who turn them on themselves? That kind of stuff. And it is an uprising. It is meant to be like... To to paraphrase a Neil Jordan film of Michael Collins uh, about occupied Ireland before the, uh, just after the Easter uprising, um, they send Irish cops to monitor Michael Collins and other rebels and things. And... The Irish cops, like, it's, it's Stephen Rea, and he says, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to hand you in. And Collins is a bit surprised by this, and Rhea says, well, you know, follow you around, listen to what you're saying. It starts to make sense. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, why the fuck did you send him? <laughs> send an English dude to tail him who isn't going to listen to the propaganda, effectively. <laughs> not someone who might be fucking turned. Yeah. And it's yeah. the same thing with, like, who do we send to, ki- to, to kill these kids? More kids. Yeah, I guess it kind of makes a weird sense in an awful way. Oh no, look, now they've all teamed up and we've trained these ones. Yeah, I, Shit. I didn't really, I, I agree with you, I didn't really get that kind of sense from Battle Royale too, that there's any justification that they're sending the kids. They no. Just build, I mean, <laughs> build an army of adults. I mean, they know they're not allowed to and that's kind of the part well, the, of the... I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the Suicide Squad thing of they're disposable. Yes, um, sure, and and it and it allows them to maintain the battle royale program while also having it be vaguely useful. Yeah, yeah, true, but yeah, true. like especially with the island setup, it is like. But if you yeah, have just, a fu- yeah, if you have just a spend it on munitions. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you have a functional, um, uh, how I can phrase it, if you have a, an actual goal, don't add a, a reality TV element every now and again, yeah. which doesn't actually help you achieve the goal, or. Storm that island. They can't have mm. that much in the way of munitions. Yeah, there's probably like a few dozen kids at most. Yeah, like storm it, <laughs> bomb they... the fuck out of it, shoot it. <laughs> yeah, they're all dead. Not to go back to Dark Knight Rises. Oh, <laughs> what are they oh. eating? What are they eating? Oh yeah, <laughs> candles. <laughs> yeah, they they've got a good supply of candles. Yeah, the beeswax comes from somewhere. It's the honey they've been eating. Mm. Yeah. Um. Effectively, it's it's like uh, the Sugar's character's death mm. scene where. I guess Mimi, Mickey, she's in the the, the danger zone. Highway to the danger zone. <laughs> Lada! So if she's in that thing, she dies. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and he runs out and it's like, no, I wanna, don't come near me. And then because of the beeping, he gets like a little bit mm. of a monologue. And you think, are you going to use this time effectively and try and like just bum rush the building? Mm. No, I'm just going to stand there, stand without cover, mm. take some shots, pot shots at the wall, miss mostly. Uh, take a shot, keep fighting, you know, and then uh, the uh, collar goes off. And then seven of the kids run to him after he got sniped in the face. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, why isn't why isn't the sniper just shooting all as well? Yeah. And, that happens uh, a few times. There's the, like, just before the EMB mm. moment. 
where they're being fired on from above by the Wild Seven, the yes. group. Like, you're fish in a barrel. You're mm. all dead. Yeah, there's no way. There's like that, yeah. moments where like, oh, he survived because mm. he was in the corner, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then he just gets shot in the head. And there's a full mm-hmm. close up of like the, the really bad yeah. uh, squib on, on that guy's forehead. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, that's just a bit of red paint on that guy's mm-hmm. forehead. You put no effort into that. Mm. And uh, yeah, there's moments like that where you're like, None of you have cover. You'd all be dead. Yeah. And the Wild Seven, in theory, would mow you all down, mm. but they don't because C- reasons. Considering these kids don't have never held a gun before today. Mm. And exactly, these other kids yeah. are killers. Yeah. yeah. And that's why it's like you have to have the sort of almost Starship Trooper style training sequences. You mm. need something to show that they are capable. And Agreed. Competent. And arguably, they should be somehow a little bit better because it needs to feel like, as, as a weird comparison, Black Hawk Down, where you've got these people are fighting for their home in Mogadishu but they're not trained whereas um, the, you know the American the Rangers and that sort of stuff and the different forces in, in, in that conflict are but the mm. difference is they're overwhelmed mm. now obviously that's not the situation exactly what we've got here but the idea is that which is better in that sort of almost VC Viet Cong sort of mm. against the American army in Vietnam sort of thing which one is going to be better here a half a bit of training where you've got a, like a, a, a mm. rushed um, induction program Versus somebody who's literally fighting for their lives for a different reason, mm. and it, it, it hopefully we think would call up some really interesting visuals, and I think some very hope not necessarily heartfelt and things like kind mm. of film, but definitely some moments of pause and poignancy with some of the deaths, um, and again some of the unfortunate deaths with the the, the, the linked collars as it mm. were, but yeah. So I, th- I think I, visually it would the mix up will be fine. I I think you you do a very good job of taking the the potential of battle royale to mm. and and turning it into something worthwhile whereas the actual battle royale 2 just kind of takes all that potential and then yeah. takes a squat on it <laughs> what was funny was um tim was watching the film behind the scenes here mm. and halfway through uh gave it back to, to jack to watch it was my, mm. my copy and said I'll, I'll watch it the rest of it later don't worry i'm not proper at all and said i'm actually rather enjoying the first half it's fine and my lodger was like, stop there. <laughs> because you will not enjoy the rest. I was like, I'll watch the rest later. And then sure enough, the but second half is like so you said, slow. You've mm. got the the scene with the sensei in the gym and them all like picking sides and the winners and the losers and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. It's very intense. You're kind of bringing that tension from the first one. Mm. Then you've got the storming of the beach, yeah. which is kind of um, nicely shot. I do like the boat. Kinda I mean, cool. hate they rush to kill them all off. Yeah. The boat blowing up because one kid leans back on the motor when the collar goes off. Yeah. It's yeah. quite funny. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like, you dumb bastards. But yeah. what do you think would happen? Exactly. And it's a nice kind of, I mean, he's basically like straight up shots from D-Day, basically. Oh, yeah. yeah. Classic beach storming kind of stuff. Someone saving, saving, Private, saving Ryan. Private Ryan. Saving yeah. Private Ryan, absolutely. Um, and you've got that cool opening half an hour or so like mm. we said and then soon as everything settles down it just gets really boring it is and you, man- you managed to dodge that with yours i think you'd have that initial kind of actiony bit like you said with the with mm. the terrorist attack in the main financial district and all mm. that kind of stuff and then take the time to build the characters in an interesting way Granted, you kind of skirt it over with like, I would take time to build the characters and make sure, make <laughs> yes, sure they yes. bond and all the acting is good and there are no problems here. Nope. But we're kind of restricted with the format with, we with, have. With the, yes. As, assume everything goes fine and Matt's great and the actors are great and the sure script's great. Yeah, exactly. 
but I think that's the difference. That's a that's the key difference there because, like I said, my main problem is not only do you lose the tension, which is probably the main problem for me. Mm. The second thing is you're killing these kids off before we even know who any of them are. Apart from that kid likes rugby, that kid's got weird hair. You know, there's a couple of moments, yeah, but mm. like having a big hairdo is not a characteristic no, it, that you it's also you frustrating that they put them all in the same camouflage in the same helmets and you can't tell who's who yeah that's that's yep. a real issue and, and then not, not like a literally an awful racist statement no, 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 but no, no, i mean no. like a black hawk down was the same problem it's like mm. you can't tell the characters apart it's like yep. yeah we know and they're on like gray it's just mm. really yeah. like the, the cinematography boring. doesn't help because no. it's quite flat so thank you very much for kind very kind mm. words um, so yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna expand universe world building stuff. Show mm. more of the things. Maybe introduce a sub character who lives in the world, mm. and then you know that comes together in the same way that you meet the cop in Sicario. You know, oh yeah, like, that's where, a where the great, fuck is this that's going? A great analogy, yeah. mm. absolutely. And then by then you go, oh shit. Yeah, <laughs> Sicario is so good. Yeah, Sicario is good. Um, anything else we could think to to change or bring to it? Anything that needs effectively? I think you've kind of, like I said, you kind of tackled my main problems with it mm, and nice. brought in a mech. So, yeah. Where Rico gets a whole lot more to do. I, I wanted to make sure she was coming up with a plan Absolutely. as well. I wanted her to be like, because in, in the first film, she's very much, oh, Shannon, I'm so, I'm so weak. I'm so very, oh, please hit me. I just wanted, to, but I wanted her to be emboldened by the experience mm. and become an actual leader. And the mm. fact that she gets the final shot as well. Yep. Literally mm. and in a cinemat- cinematic kind of way as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Like it's her blood splattering on the screen, and as she knows she has messages played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they kind of, I guess, they kind of know they're heading to their death. And she, like you said, that that's the development there. Because again, a lot of these films have the problem of like, oh, let's copy and paste some characters from the mm-hmm. first one. Hey, there's the there's the naughty kid, and there's the yeah. other kid, and there's the oh look, it's that one nerd. It's the, it's <laughs> yeah. the nerd stereotype and stuff. And like, but having Noriko kind of step up and be a leader alongside Shuya. Mm. And like you said, going from like, oh, I'm so weak. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I don't want to fight. I'm too, too mm. scared to do anything. And then actually stepping up and being like, no, I believe in this. Yeah. Shuya and what we've been through together have kind of shown me mm. that I can be stronger and I can yeah. push mm. myself and inspire other kids and stuff. And having her be a strong female character is a thousand million times more interesting than... Her in the desert. She's in in a hijab <laughs> for five minutes in Afghanistan. Um, yeah, I think that that's mm. you fixed all the main problems. I think, and like we said, it's in theory not to not take the kind of wind out of your sails, but it's such an easy fix. It is. Mm. It is. It, the setup it, is it's, there. It's so close to being good, mm. and it just needs a couple of tweaks here just and there. Escalate. Chuck a mech in, mm. and you got problem <laughs> solved. And the the director pick sounded like um, yeah the the. Uh, the um, first film you mentioned by his, I think I've heard of. Yes, his, he um, did a sequel to as well. Um, yeah. I, I, again, I'd say I'll show you a trailer after we've done this. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like slightly less kind of um, masturbatory than the son doing this whole thing in tribute to his dad. Yeah, and I mean, I like understand said, Tim, why it's weird, where, like, but... It's this grieving process that he's <laughs> using the film for yeah. in a way, and it's all a bit weird. Yeah. So the, the less kind of, no offence to him and his grieving or mm. anything, but like getting away from that and having that affect the film and bringing in someone like you said Matt who's kind mm. of a a tested 
tried and tested steady yeah. hand in Japanese cinema and at that someone point. who's disconnected although mm, absolutely I'm sure eventually I'm pretty sure Bayside Shakedown is on the list because I'm pretty sure the sequel is not great <laughs> so we'll probably come back to that tune some point. in for that later listen. at which yeah. point we'll bring in Kenta Fusaka ah, <laughs> it all comes back round yeah because he'll have time now to exactly. deal with it speaking of all coming back round that pretty much wraps us up yeah. for the episode yeah wouldn't you say gentlemen I would say so and Matthew, where can people go if they want to follow you on the internet? Um, if you want to tell me why a mech was a bad idea, and then I can just show you a load of images of mechs and say, fuck <laughs> you. Um, lots and lots and lots of mechs.com. Yeah, I, I, I can show you like, like mechs from the board game Scythe or from oh, like Command oh, and Conquer and shit. Get some Scythe style. Yeah, yeah very nice. bulk standard stuff. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you can do that on Twitter, Instagram, those things. Uh, Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You all know this by now. You'd hope so, wouldn't you? Well, they do. They they message me. They're good, good people. Sequelizers are good people. Yeah, we are. And well, Sequelizers fans ah. are pretty damn good people too. Yeah, so you can do that. Uh, if you want to read my reviews for things, theredrighthand.co.uk. Um, if you want to see the films I'm making, the series I'm making, again, filmed in Japan with a fucking mech, because of course I did. You would literally have a Gundam in your I home. do, yeah. yeah. Uh, you can go to cheesemint.com. So high budget. Uh, no much whack much whack much whack Tim <laughs> uh, you can find me the easiest place is Twitter at trivia underscore lad where I'm using usually spouting off about some nonsense um, probably talking about comics but uh, occasionally about I don't know films or hot wings or something hot wings have you Do seen enjoy the, a hot wing. the Hot Wings? Uh, friends of ours introduced this to me recently. Uh, hot Wings interviews thing. I can't remember hot ones. Oh hot yeah. Ones, yeah, yes. Oh, I, I haven't seen it before. Really? No. I, oh, it's huge on they, on, on the YouTube. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, Matthew. I'm, I'm only skirting the YouTube's. Um, I assume you saw the Paul Rudd meme and was like, "Well, that's what's that from?" And then Paul <laughs> Rudd's a charming, delightful man. Mm, no, I saw the Terry Crews one. Oh, I can't get it. Terry yeah. good and too. the Steve yeah. Austin one. Yeah, it's a bit of Stone Cold. Stone Cold's good. Yeah. Uh, Selling his new beer. Because of course he is. Yeah, I don't know what it's called. Uh, Broken Skull. That's of course it's called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, Steve Austin's birthday today. It is. What? Yes. So, uh, listeners, right, you can use him. you can use yeah. that to work out exactly when we recorded this episode. We have the kind of listeners that will Google that stuff and be like, "Hey, happy birthday!" We have the kind of listeners who will know that off the top of their head. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it must be this date. Happy birthday to stunning Steve Williams. Mm-hmm. His name in oh, WCW, know, yeah. <laughs> and then stunning Steve Austin because he had the, the beautiful mop of hair, ice cold man over his was the temporary name. That yeah, the the, the the frost frosty man, Fro- frost, <laughs> Mister Frosty. It's like it's like <laughs> he's Mook, such fun, <laughs> M- Mook Frosty or something like that. And uh, yeah, eventually yeah. settled on Stone Cold. Thank God. Mm. Jack, if if people want more wrestling knowledge from you, oh, where can they find you on the internet? Coming to the right place, at JLW Chambers on Twitter, Instagram, and probably not Facebook. Don't add me on Facebook; that's weird. <laughs> stick, stick with Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is uh, full of wrestling stuff. Whether I'm talking about the independent British scene, talking about I don't particularly watch WWE stuff anymore, but I still comment on it because you're aware of it. It's, it's big. The, it's the thing. Um, talking about the the fairly new promotion AEW recently started in America as well. Um, Are you an NXT gentleman? I am an NXT gentleman. That's about the only WWE product I consume in any sort of regularity. Um, some of the British stuff I really enjoy is like Progress and Riptide. Are really cool. They're really um, 
like very progressive and like LGBT friendly uh, group in Brighton that is really like cinematically shot. Cool. And uh, I regularly retweet their their posts and their wrestlers are really cool and interesting and stuff. So if you want more of that, come and join me on Twitter. We'll talk about wrestling, talk about video games. Uh, yeah, that's my two probably my main things I talk about on on the tweets. Do you talk about vegetarian food? No, not really. Yeah, so not, I'm not, I'm not, despite despite my size, I'm not much of a foodie. <laughs> I just eat too much. Of Ask the me if I talk about I like. milk on, on, on Twitter. No. Ask me. No. Ask me. No. Tim, ask me. Fuck. No. Oh, God damn you people. <laughs> I'm going to tweet myself now. And if you, dear listeners, would like to support us and get these episodes ad-free, early, with bonus extra content... We had a whole fucking discussion on the outtakes of this episode. Let me tell you. Oh my god! You can hear stories, from, rants, stories Jack's from Japan. Mighty bean anecdotes. <laughs> <laughs> it was so intense that I want to see it animated so badly. I know, right? <laughs> the, get, get on it, animators. The rage with which he describes the situation. Oh is yeah, fantastic. And there's a fantastic. I throw something in a bin at the end of that story. Yeah, <laughs> the fury, like like I've never done before in my life. <laughs> And uh, you can get all that by going to patreon.com slash sequelizers mm. and enjoying our commentaries that accompany some of these movies, enjoying outtakes that accompany some of these episodes as well. And yeah, we really appreciate your support. If you can't, don't worry. Yeah, the main pressure. show is always no going to remain free and available on all good podcast services. And yeah, mm. thank if, you very much for your support. If you, for some reason, uh, have a virulent dislike of our uh, new ads for Stitcher Premium which you should definitely check out at stitcher.com slash premium. Oh, yeah. Use code word sequelizers. Uh, you can uh, just so give, us some, so give us some money on Patreon, and then you get ad-free versions of the show. Yeah, so, even you know, from a dollar, it's ad-free. Yeah. Perfect. You miss out on little stuff, but you can listen to it as well at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Um, but we are, in truth, very proud of our 2020 tiers, as silly as it sounds, because all the merch stuff and everything else in there. So if you are interested, check it out. If you're not, that's cool. Um... Jack, you can say that classic phrase you wanted to say for so long, you, you can now finally say each week. I love you, Matt. Oh, uh, <laughs> and see you I next lo- week, listeners. It's I love you, Max. Tax <laughs> <laughs> Max! See you next week. Spicy beans! <laughs> right.